everybody. Welcome to another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. I'm speaking today with Samna Douglas from Boom Startup Seed. One M by One M, as you know, is the first and only global virtual accelerator in the world. And uh, we have been bringing you these seed capital conversations for a while now. I hope you've been enjoying it. So let's get acquainted with Samna Douglas. Samna, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it for, for you guys reaching out to me and having me on your show. It's an honor. Tell us uh, what uh, you've been up to. Tell us a bit about yourself as well as about Boom Startup Seeds. Yeah, so I'm the managing director and venture partner, so I run most of Boom Startup. So Boom Startup has been around since around 2010, and we've run about 14 different cohorts uh, throughout that period of time. So I think we were one of the first 15 accelerators in the domestic U.S., um, and I've been around the kind of venture and, and investment scene for quite some time. I actually tend to go back and forth between starting my own tech companies and uh, investing in tech companies. So I've actually started four of my own companies or co-founded four of my own companies uh, throughout my career. And uh, now I'm really focused on uh, finding and selecting some, some really great companies out there and mentoring those companies uh, and, and helping them raise capital. So um, tell us the structure of, uh, we're interested in primarily, this is the seed capital series, so we're primarily interested in your early stage investment activities. So tell us a bit about the fund size and the check sizes and the types of investments you'd li- you like to make from Boom Startup. Yeah, so we get about uh, somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 applications on an annual basis, and we typically invest in around 20 companies per year. Um, mm-hmm. As far as our capital deployment, we typically deploy $20,000 uh, checks in capital and then follow on capital to those uh, investments that we make. So uh, I'd say that probably at least half or more of those companies receive uh, additional capital on top of that. So our first deployment is $20,000, and then our second deployment is between fifty dollars to $100,000 in capital of those companies. Uh, mm-hmm. So all of that is seed stage investment. Um, so we actually work with, with two different components. So we have our own accelerator that we've uh, had up and live for about uh, eight or nine years now. And then we also run uh, PCIP, which is the state-run accelerator in Salt Lake City as well. Uh, so we, we run another 40 companies through an accelerator there too. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and that's pretty much the, the structure of it. As far as, like, the actual internal structure of what we do, we typically bring companies in. Uh, once we sign those companies, we uh, actually work on a roll-and-close functionality because we feel like there's really good deal flow uh, year-round. And if you're just doing right. a traditional cohort model, you actually miss out on a lot of really good deal flow. Yeah, so if I we agree. find a company that we like, we sign it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we design custom accelerator plans for each one of those companies. So I, I find that a lot of the traditional accelerators out there have been using this kind of like one-size-fits-all model, and that's not really what we do. Basically, as companies come in, we go through a discovery process and a due diligence process. We assess what we think they need, and they also tell us what they think they need. We design a custom accelerator plan for each one of those different companies. And then we basically uh, work through the logistics of that. We typically deliver the core curriculum in around six months. Uh, 
Um, and then sometimes faster, just kind of depends on the speed of the entrepreneur. And then we offer another six months of mentorship. So our actual accelerator runs for a full year. Um, when we're working with a lot of the seed stage companies out there, we find that three months isn't always long enough for you to, to finish off your MVP, go acquire some customers, and raise capital. And so for those companies that uh, need a little bit longer to finish some of those different cycles and processes, we offer kind of an extended mentoring uh, period so that we can just get those guys up and where they need to be to, to go out there and raise their, their first real round of capital. Tell me a bit about the geography. You said Salt Lake yeah. City. Does that mean that you are investing only in Utah startups? What's, what is your uh, policy? And, Definitely and... not. So mm -hmm. uh, we definitely do take a lot of stars from Utah. We have, you know, obviously uh, the, the Utah tech scene has grown significantly over the last couple of years, and we see a huge amount of deal flow coming out of Salt Lake City and really high-quality deals. Yep. Um, but we actually look at deals throughout the domestic U.S. and internationally. So um, in this last cohort that I ran, I had four international companies. So I had one in London, one in Kiev, and then two in Latin America. And then mm -hmm. I had another four companies out of Utah and then another four companies spread throughout the domestic U.S. So if we find a good company and we think they're a good fit with what we're offering and vice versa, then we move forward uh, pretty quickly from there. And do you require that they move to Utah or are they, they, can they stay wherever they are? They can actually stay where we are. So we have a uh, partial virtual accelerator. So we actually have taken and build a, uh, built a platform and recorded a lot of our core curriculum components so that our uh, basically our entrepreneurs can consume that information in the morning or late at night whenever they want to consume that information. And then we typically host multiple weekly calls with those. So I typically host a call on Monday, kind of a discovery call where the accelerator companies make their asks and we run through metrics and all that kind of good stuff, and I introduce a new topic. And then Thursday, we actually do a lot more of the implementation components on that. So instead of uh, spending a lot of time delivering that core curriculum, we're typically, uh, or most of our entrepreneurs are consuming that information, and then we're actually helping them apply that to their business model on a weekly basis. And that's okay. really what our goal is, is kind of reduce that amount of time that they have to spend in the classroom and spend a lot more time with implementation and with high-level mentors. Okay. Give us some case studies of interesting companies that you've invested in and, uh, and why you've chosen to invest in them. Okay, so uh, we had one this last year uh, called uh, Knowledge Locker or No Locker. It's a very interesting company that actually reached out to me from the UK or London. And um, they had, you know, one of the reasons that we chose this company was I think that they had a very clear uh, problem statement that really resonated with me. I feel like in today's uh, kind of world, we see a lot of social feeds. So we see Instagram and Facebook and even LinkedIn in some ways is a bit of a social feed, but it's much more oriented towards business. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we're a little bit overburdened with a lot of those social feeds. But when we go and look at acquiring new types of knowledge, there's nothing really out there that's, that's uh, designed for us to easily and seamlessly acquire knowledge. If I want to go acquire knowledge, I've got to uh, go select a category of knowledge I want to learn. I've got to go find knowledge. I've got to then verify that that's actually good knowledge that's coming from the right segment or kind of verified mm -hmm. by third parties and then consume that knowledge. And so what No Locker does is basically curates feeds of knowledge for you. So if you want to learn about blockchain, 
blockchain, Bitcoin, et cetera, uh, then you can uh, put those into kind of your topic and it automatically curates uh, what looks like a very Facebook type of feed where you can just consume and learn knowledge on a regular basis. And they do this for the inside of their companies as well, where you can kind of create channels on the inside of your companies to curate your thought leadership on the inside of your business and absorb thought leadership from outside of your business as well. Um, the CEO had a really good track record. He had a couple of, of great successes already, and he'd already bootstrapped this uh, and had a good, I think he had about $10,000 in monthly recurring revenue when he started with us. I uh, mm -hmm. finished out the year with about $100,000 in monthly recurring revenue uh, at the end of the year. And um, I think, you know, he just had, you know, this was kind of a bet on the CEO, and I think he was solving a really big problem for us. Um, and I think it's a problem we see consistently. And, and uh, you know, some, some recent kind of news topics like Cambridge Analytica, certainly um, kind of those type of events certainly foster the need for a company with, with kind of verified, solid sources of reliable information. And what is the name of this company? It's called No Locker. No Locker, okay. Um, do you want to do another maybe case study of, a company that you have invested in that you particularly think highly of? Sure, I'll do one that I actually got involved in. Um, so, uh, so a couple of years ago, I made the cardinal sin as a managing director and actually left and joined one of our uh, one of our portfolio companies called Utility. Uh, Utility is a really interesting company, and what they do is basically they create a device that enables you to hack the smart metering infrastructure on smart cities and in residential areas and see real-time consumption of electricity, water, and natural gas. And we can feed that in a much more granular functionality back to the uh, power companies or the utility companies as well as the end residents. And so uh, the average use of something like this enables you to reduce all three t different types of utilities by around 20%. Um, and this is obviously solving very large problems, water consumption, electrical consumption, pollution, all of these different components are very tied together. So obviously this is a company shooting for the moon and, and going after some very large problems. And they had created some technology already when they came into the cohort and proven that they could uh, actually kind of attack the market and uh, deploy these uh, devices or hardware devices that enable us to see at scale real-time consumption of all different types of utilities. Um, and this is just a really interesting problem. I've been passionate about uh, conservation and renewable technologies for quite some time, and it kind of ties into those perfectly. Um, and I think it's really kind of the synthesis of what a lot of investors look for, a really big market where it's going to be able to touch almost every person in that country um, and solve significant kind of um, impact problems that, that are also problems in our current society today as well. Um, and so I think that, you know, those types of companies are always very interesting to us uh, simply because they're, they're kind of on par with some of those Kleiner Perkins and Sequoia models of how many people is it going to be able to touch um, and how big is that market and how prevalent is that problem. And I think nobody really loves paying utility bills. So, and if they can reduce them or have some higher levels of insight into them, this is certainly a product that I think will, uh, could change a lot of the consumption patterns in the domestic U.S. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, I'm going to switch gear a little bit and ask you about your philosophy around what kinds of companies are you looking to invest in? Does it necessarily 
Uh, do you necessarily require that companies have this billion-dollar TAM and are going to become unicorns at some point, or are you comfortable with investing in companies that are, you know, have more niche uh, spins and will, will build robust companies, but they need to be built in a more cap- capital-efficient way and uh, can also make money off smaller exits? So we're comfortable with both of those different components. Obviously, unicorn-based markets are really interesting, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that those are very far and few between. And as far as the deal flow of seeing those types of deals, you only see a few of those deals on an annual basis that really have the legs to get up and go. Uh, we definitely place a lot of investments in the smaller seed stage kind of niche markets as well because I think that there's a great opportunity to go and attack some of those markets uh, build up a company quickly and exit that company within a three to three to seven year period, typically being acquired by a larger component of that niche market or whatnot. And uh, we like those plays a lot. We, we've done quite a few of those different plays, and we feel like those plays are really really good for us. Yeah. Um, as an early phase seed investor with an accelerator and everything like that, um, we love to see early exits, and we feel like a lot of those niche markets take a little bit less time to mature a company and to see a potential uh, kind of exit come out of that company. So we actually like a lot of the niche plays. Uh, Good. My, my partner and CEO, Rob Coons, actually really likes the niche plays. He's a, he's a huge fan of that, and we've, we've actually had quite a few wins in those, those different segments. Great. You may have read my bootstrapping to exit piece recently on LinkedIn, no? <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, well, um, that gives me a good idea about what kinds of things we might be able to uh, work on together. And uh, do you want, do you have anything else that you want to add as messages to entrepreneurs out there who may be interested in working with you? Yeah, I mean, we just love to see applications. I love to see, um, I actually love it when entrepreneurs reach out directly to me. Um, unlike a lot of the kind of like venture capitalist community, I feel like entrepreneur or uh, entrepreneurs in the accelerator space are much different. Like people walk into my office all the time, and if I can, and I'm not in the middle of a meeting, I uh, make time for them to, to come and pitch me on a regular basis. So um, I feel like, you know, uh, Boom Startups is a very uh, kind of linchpin component in the Salt Lake City ecosystem. We really kind of help to fuel a lot of these seed and early stage um, companies out there, and we'd love to see applications from, from anyone who's interested in applying. Uh, you know, one of the great benefits of our program is you can stay right where you are, and uh, we'll also key you into the, to the ecosystem on the West Coast. and and uh, get you a lot of different introductions to super high-quality mentors as well as a lot of funding mechanisms, which is, which is what a lot of entrepreneurs are looking for. Very good. Very nice talking to you, uh, Sumner. Audience, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back soon with another edition of the One Million by One Million podcast. Meanwhile, come to one of the free public roundtables. These are working sessions. Bring your strategy questions, bring your problems, and we'll work on them together in a safe environment. See you soon. Bye-bye.